What is going on, everyone? Uh, it's been a while, but we are back with another episode of Project Describe. I uh, hope you guys are all doing well. On today's episode, I just wanted to take a brief look, a brief overview of the story of Gideon uh, in the book of Judges and how, you know, through his story and what God does through him and for, for the Israelites, you know, we learn that God isn't always interested in making us extremely comfortable. Um, you know, although he, he is the God of our comfort, uh, he isn't interested in always making us extremely comfortable. He's more interested in his glory and our greatest good. And our greatest good isn't necessarily tied to the most comfortable environment. And so, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode uh, called Being Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. So the story of Gideon starts off, uh, just like many of the chapters in the book of Judges starts off. Uh, it starts off with Israel, you know, kind of rebelling, um, actually completely rebelling, you know, turning away from God, worshiping these false idols. And after some time, um, the Israelites kind of being captured and oppressed by some other, some other group. And after some time, after they've been oppressed, after, you know, things get really, really difficult, things get very, very uncomfortable for the Israelites, they begin to, you know, kind of realize the error of their ways. They cry out to God. God raises up a, a judge, you know, some kind of leader to kind of rescue or to deliver the Israelites. And so, uh, you know, this, this judge, this leader would fight for Israel, deliver them from their enemies, and then turn the Israelites, hopefully, all right, back to back to God. Now, also in the book of Judges, you really see God's ability to use anyone for his glory and for the good of his people, right? And you, like some of the people that, that are used in the book of Judges are not exactly like the most um, outstanding citizens, right? They're, they're not exactly going to be winning like outstanding citizen uh, you know, of the month award or of the year award or anything like that, right? Like the, some of these people, uh, like many of us do, but some of these people really have some deep, deep character flaws that aren't to be that aren't to be duplicated in in any way. And Gideon, honestly, is one of those people. When God calls Gideon, uh, we find Israel exactly in this position. Uh, it's at the hand of the Midianites, the Midianites have come in and have severely oppressed the Israelites uh, precisely because the Israelites have turned away from God. They have completely rejected God. They don't want anything to do with him. They're not worshiping him. They're worshiping all these idols. And God, in turn, kind of removes his protection from them and says, okay, if you don't want a relationship with me, do what you want to do. Go ahead. Uh, and the Midianites come in. They take over. They, they steal from the Israelites, they, they enslave the Israelites, they oppress the Israelites. And after seven years of this, the Israelites in turn recognize the error of their ways. They begin to cry out to God and God raises up Gideon, right? God visits Gideon and begins to speak with him and let him know this is what the plan is. And so he first visits Gideon and he says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon immediately looks around and says, what do you mean the Lord is with us? The Lord Lord can't be with us. Like we've heard of all the wonderful things that, you know, the Lord has done for our ancestors back in Egypt, but look at us now, right? We're completely enslaved. We don't have our, you know, our, our, our own land anymore. The Midianites have come in and, and completely oppressed us. How can you say that the Lord is with us? And the Lord responds to him, 
I'm sending you. Go in strength. I am sending you to deliver Israel out of the Midianites' hand. Right? I will be with you. And Gideon again points to, you know, something that he notices that that seems wrong. He he's in, in effect tells God, I'm not the right guy. I'm not the one for the job. He says, I'm from the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh is not the the biggest, baddest tribe, you know, out of all the tribes of Israel. Out of the tribe of Manasseh, my family is the weakest. My clan is the weakest. And out of my clan, I'm the weakest. So basically what he's saying is, you know, I'm the weakest of the weakest. I'm not the person for this job. I'm, I, you, you must be, you know, looking for the wrong person. You must be looking for someone else because I am not the one for this job. I, I can't deliver Israel from the Midianites' hands. And God, again, you know, uh, speaks to him and he says, I will be with you. Don't be afraid, right? I'm, this is the correct plan. I didn't make a mistake. You're the one that's being called. And Gideon, you know, we, we learn, you know, a little bit more about Gideon's character. He, he's, he's afraid. He's not exactly comfortable, right, uh, in the current situation. He's not comfortable being oppressed by the Midianites, of course. And he's not comfortable with this plan of you're the guy that we're going to use to deliver Israel out of the Midianites' hands. And so what does he do? He tests God, right, which the Bible tells us we're not supposed to do. But this is exactly what Gideon does. He says, okay, if this is really from God, if, if the Lord is really sending me, wait a second, give me a sign. Give me something that I can see that I may believe you. So he brings this sacrifice out. And once he brings the sacrifice out, the angel of the Lord takes the staff that's in his hand and he touches the sacrifice with the tip of the staff. And immediately fire from the rock consumes the sacrifice and the angel of the Lord disappears. And so in doing so, he gives this sign to Gideon saying like, no, this is really, this is me. Gideon saw that sign, freaks out. <laughs> He's like, I have, I have seen the face of God. I have been face to face with God. Oh my goodness, like, what did I just do? And the Lord kind of calms him down, speaks to him, and he says, don't worry. You're not going to die, right? You're the one that I'm going to use to deliver the Midianites. Now, you would think that hopefully that would be enough for Gideon. He's already tested the Lord, but it isn't. He tests God two more times. He asks for two more signs. And the first one, he, he pulls out this, this wool fleece. Uh, he lays it out and he says, God, you know, in the morning, when the morning dew comes, if this is really from you, give me this sign. Let the morning dew soak the wool fleece, but let the ground around it be completely dry. Then I will know that this is you. So Gideon gets up early the next morning and what does he find? He finds, he finds it exactly as he had asked, asked for. He found the wool fleece completely soaked, uh, but he found the, the ground around it completely dry. But then he tests the Lord again. He says, okay, now, Lord, let me just let me just double check here. If this is really from you, if this is really, really from you, now this time let the, the wool fleece be completely dry, but the, but the ground around it be, be soaked with the morning dew. And again, he wakes up the next morning and he finds it exactly as, as he had asked for. So God has given him multiple signs, sign after sign after sign, to prove to Gideon, I'm with you. This is me who's calling you, and you're the one that we're going to use to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Midianites. The Midianites. So after these tests, Gideon gets this army together, and he gets an army of uh, 32,000 men, 32,000 people to, into his army, and God immediately 
looks at this army and says, no, yeah, this is, this is too much. These are, this is too many people. Uh, if, if I use Gideon and this army of 32,000 to defeat the Midianites, I, I know the Israelites, I know these people, they're going to immediately assume that it was by their own strength that they did this, right? Oh, it was it was by our own military genius. It was by our own strength. It was it, it was all us, and it had nothing to do with God. So Gideon and the army would get glory, would get all the glory, and God would receive none, even though it was all God. So God looks at this army of thirty-two thousand and says, "Gideon, we need to reduce this number." Now the the thing about this, we don't know how large the Midianite army. The Midianite army was, right? It does, the, the book of Judges doesn't give us a number or anything like that. But we can assume, safely assume, that it was much, much larger than this Israelite army of only 32,000. And the reason for that is um, the book of Judges describes the Midianites as like hordes of locusts just completely covering the land. Like you can't even see the land uh, because it's just completely covered by Midianites, right? So they, uh, the book of Judges is comparing them to like these locusts that you can't even see the grass, you can't even see the ground because it's just completely covered with Midianites. So there's a bunch of them, <laughs> basically. There's a whole bunch of them. And so this army of 32,000, we can safely assume, is nowhere near the size of the Midianite army. So it's already not big. Yet God looks at it and says it's way too big. As way too many people, 32,000, way too many. We need to reduce this number. So Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand before your army and tell them, right? Announce to them, hey, if any of you are scared, if any of you are afraid, if any of you don't want to be here, you're free to go. You don't have to be here. If any of you are looking at this situation and are really feeling like this ain't it for me, you, you're, you're free to go. And immediately, 22,000 men leave. Right, so Gideon's army of 32,000 now just became 10,000, right? Just, just like that, his army was reduced by two-thirds, gone. So Gideon now, who himself is already feeling, you know, not super confident, right? He's, the reason why he's testing God so many times is because he's not exactly super confident in this, right? He's already kind of told God, yeah, I don't know if I'm really the right guy for this job. He watches God reduce his army from 32,000 down to 10,000 an army that is already small in comparison to the enemy that they're getting ready to face. So now Gideon has this army of 10,000 and God looks at it again and says, mm, still too big, still too much. We need to do something about this. So Gideon, here's what I want you to do. Take him down to this, you know, whatever local source of water was around them and have them drink from, you know, from the river. Those who, who get on their knees and, um, basically like put their face in the water and just kind of just drink that way rather than cupping the water with their hands and, and lapping it up like a dog, uh, the book of Judges says. Those who get on their knees and, and just kind of dunk their face in, send them home. So after that, that test, after those instructions, the number of people that remain is only 300. God says, I only want you to keep the ones who, who cup the water with their hands and drink, drink from their hands. There's only 300 of them left. So God takes Gideon's army of initially 32,000, reduces it down to 300. That is less than 1% of his original, the, of the original size of his army. And God says, now we can work with this number. All right. You came with 32,000. Let's break that down to less than 1% of what, what you initially brought me. Now we can get to work. 
And again, Gideon, who is already clearly uncomfortable with all of this, is now, he's, he's terrified. He's afraid. And we know this from, from Judges chapter 7. After God has reduced this army down to 300, the Lord speaks to Gideon. He says, Gideon, if you are afraid, right? He says, if. He says, if you're still afraid, as if like God didn't already know, he knew. But he says, Gideon, if you're afraid, I want you to sneak down to the Midianite camp and listen in on some of the conversations that they're having. You're going to hear them, and once you do, you'll be encouraged by what you hear. So God says, if you're afraid, go to the Midianite camp, right? Sneak down there. The very next verse says, Gideon, you know, I'm um, paraphrasing, but Gideon sneaks down to the Midianite camp, which means he was afraid. God says, if you're afraid, go down there. What does Gideon do? He goes down there because he's afraid. He's terrified. He was already com- uncomfortable with all this. He's, he's already claimed himself to be the weakest of the weakest of the weak. Like, like he's already told God, I'm not the right person for this job. He's just watched God take, you know, one source of strength, the size of his army, right? At least he's got something. At least he's got like people around him and completely reduced that down to basically nothing. Of course he's afraid. He's absolutely terrified. And he's, he's, you know, for lack of better words, he's uncomfortable. But now in this position, Gideon has to rely on God. He's not going to rely on himself. He's not going to rely on his army. He's not going to rely. He has to rely on God. He has to rely on God's faithfulness. God has already told him, I will use you and I will deliver Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. God has spoken it. And God is always faithful to do exactly as he says. And so Gideon has to rely on God's faithfulness. Gideon has to rely on God's strength. Right now, Gideon already recognizes in himself he ain't got it, and now he's looking at his army like, oh, we definitely don't got it. I don't have an army anymore." So he has to rely on God's strength. He has to rely on God's wisdom. Okay, how God, you know, how is Gideon going to beat an entire army with only three hundred people? He has to rely on God's wisdom. In every facet of this battle of this war that he's now about to fight. He has nothing by himself that he can really bring to the table and say, I can rely on myself. No, in every facet, he has to rely on God. He needs God's strength. He needs God's provision. He needs God's faithfulness. He needs God's word. He needs God's wisdom. He needs needs God. But in order to to make sure that Gideon is going to rely on God, Gideon had to be put in a very uncomfortable position. And how true that is, right, for, for us. Right? Have we ever noticed that, like if God is calling us to something, it feels like it's too much, it feels like it's too big, it feels like, I don't know what I'm doing. God, there surely there are better, you know, more qualified people to do whatever it is that you're asking me to do. But of course, just as we see in Gideon's story, right, eventually God does exactly what he said he would do. He uses Gideon to completely wipe out the Midianite army. With such few people, God did exactly what he said he would do. And now reading that story, we can read that story. And none of us should should read that story and think, wow, like Gideon, amazing. Like this, somehow Gideon gets all the glory in the story. No, right? We, we We should be able to read a story like that and say, wow, God, look at what you did. 
with practically nothing in your hand, look at what you accomplished. Because God was able to do exactly as he said he would do, with basically nothing in this story of Gideon and the Israelites, we can also find comfort when we're in very uncomfortable situations. That just because I'm in an uncomfortable position, what I mean by uncomfortable position is like when, when you know, my, my circumstances, my surroundings, right? The, the things around me seem to be going opposite of what I think is good. They seem to be even going opposite of what I think God is telling me to do or what God is saying, right? Imagine Gideon, all right, you know, God telling Gideon, all right, Gideon, I'm going to use you. We're going to fight against the, the, the Midianites and I'm going to use you to completely wipe away the Midianite army. Our minds, and I'm sure Gideon's mind was exactly there, all right, in order to do, to do this, right, in order to fight against another army, I need an army. But what does God do? He reduces his army to completely nothing. Has there, ever, has there ever been, you know, a situation that you're in that God is asking you to do something and the things that you think you need, the things that everyone, every one of us would think, hey, this makes sense in our minds. I would need this in order to accomplish whatever it is that God wants me to do. It seems like that is taken away. That's uncomfortable. You're like, you, you, you would even begin to think, like, God, did you really call me? Like, God, okay, if this really is from you, I'm going to need a sign because uh, everything around me seems to not be going the way that I think it should. We're probably a lot more like Gideon than, than we realize. But God is constantly putting us in positions where we need to rely on him, not because he hates us, not because he's, he's crazy and he's like, yeah, like, I just enjoy watching, you know, people just really struggling and this, that, and the other. No, no, no. God puts us in these positions for a couple of reasons. One, that he would be glorified in all of it, and it's for our good. In those situations, we come out knowing God is faithful. We come out knowing God provides. We come out knowing that God does exactly what he says he does. We come out knowing that God is wise, that God knows exactly what he's doing, that he really does know the, the beginning from the end. We come out knowing and believing God more. And when we come out knowing those kinds of things, God is most glorified and it's for our good. We come out better for it. Just because something is uncomfortable, it doesn't mean it's not from God. Right? We shouldn't necessarily look for everything around us to be perfect, for everything around us to be super comfortable, uh, to assume that, okay, now this, this is definitely from God. Right? The same God who is the God of our comfort, right? In, in Psalm 23, the same good shepherd who does lead us beside still waters, and green pastures is the same God, is the same good shepherd who is right there with us in the valley of the shadow of death, setting the table in the presence of our enemies, right? So it's not necessarily the environment that shows us that God is with us, that shows us that God is in something. No. Whether it's green pastures and quiet waters, whether it's, you know, the valley of the shadow of death and in the presence of your enemies, the good shepherd is still there, right? And so it's, it's not based on the surroundings that we can find our joy, that we can find our comfort. It's in the presence of God. It's in the presence of the good shepherd. It's here in, in, uh, in the story of Gideon, God keeps reminding Gideon, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. It's in the presence of God 
knowing that he is with us, that he hasn't left us nor forsaken us, that we find that ultimate comfort. I'm sure Abraham wasn't comfortable when he placed his son on the altar. He was obedient. Right? He, was, he was passionate about his, about his worship. He, he wanted to do what God told him to do. But I'm sure he wasn't comfortable right? raising that knife and at the very last moment, God stopping him. I'm sure Daniel wasn't comfortable being thrown into the lion's den. Right? I, I'm sure uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't exactly comfortable being thrown into a furnace. If God was only interested in us being completely comfortable in this life, well, he would have taken us out of it immediately. Right? He would have, you know, the moment we get saved, that's it. We're, we're gone. He, he, would have, he would have taken us out. The, the, the moment we got saved, he would have said, come spend eternity with me in heaven right now. That would have been the case if God was, is only interested in, in those who walk on this earth being completely comfortable and, and, and finding their comfort in, in their surroundings. If that were the case... He would have never, you know, Christ would have never come onto the cross, right? Because the cross, <laughs> uh, for lack of better words, was uncomfortable. But the God of our comfort isn't always looking to make our surroundings the most comfortable. He's most interested in being glorified and most interested in that glory translating to our good. Because our good we, we find our ultimate satisfaction. We find what is best for us, what is the most good for us when God is most glorified in our life. So what do we do then if we kind of find ourselves, you know, if this is you maybe in, in a current season right now that you're feeling very, very stretched. Uh, maybe you're feeling you're not exactly sure what the next step is. You know, maybe you thought it was supposed to be one thing, but, you know, maybe now God is kind of leading you to something different, or maybe it still is exactly what you thought it was supposed to be, but just things around you aren't really shaping up the way that you thought they would, right? What do you kind of do if you find yourself, God, this season is extremely uncomfortable? And there's just a few, you know, quick things that I noticed just from the story of Gideon that really encouraged me. Um, one, God spoke to Gideon, right? God was in communication with, with Gideon. Uh, God was telling Gideon, hey, this is what you're going to do. You know, this is the plan. You know, these, this is kind of the big picture. In some form or fashion, God was speaking to Gideon. And God speaks to you. God speaks to me. God speaks to us, his people, here and now. We have his word. And God has a, a, an immense value, right? He has placed such an immense value on his word. God takes his word very, very seriously. You know, we're not forced to kind of figure everything out on our own. We have a God who speaks. We have a God who speaks encouragement. We have a God who speaks words of wisdom. We have a God who speaks, you know, words of correction. We have a God who speaks here and now, just as Gideon had a God who speaks. We have his written word. And now even, you know, beyond that, uh, in, in addition to that, we have God's, the very Spirit of God who now lives in us, who is reminding us of all that the Lord is saying. So we can go to him and ask him, speak with him, lay all of our requests before him as the Bible you know, calls us to do. Let him know that we're afraid. Let him know we're confused. Let him know that, God, this is where I'm at. I, I don't know what's going on. 
But God, I know that you're a God who speaks. Would you speak to me? Would you remind me of who you are? Would you remind me of your plan? Would you remind me of what it is that I'm supposed to be doing in this season? Uh, Would you remind me, Lord, just that you're with me? Sometimes that's, a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but for me, a lot of times that, that does it for me. Like I may not always know, and very rarely do I know like the, the whole plan, the whole, you know, all the details. But when you get that solid reminder of like, okay, God, you're still with me, right? The situation may not necessarily materially change, but just remembering that God is with you changes everything. Like there's this new perspective, this refreshed perspective, I guess, of whatever it is that you're going through, whatever season that you're walking through, whatever uncomfortable situation that God is leading you through, right? Uh, whatever refining that God is doing in you, there's that refreshed perspective, I guess, just knowing that God is with you, right? That God is speaking to you. The next thing that I see from, from Gideon's story is that God was equipping Gideon. And God was equipping Gideon not necessarily with the tools that he thought he needed, right? But, the, but with the tools that he really did need, which ultimately was himself, was, right? What, what Gideon really needed was God himself. But the people that he needed, he didn't need 32,000. He only needed the 300. God provided that. The words of, of wisdom and encouragement that, that Gideon needed, God provided that. The ideas and the wisdom and, and how you're going to use the 300 people, God provided that to defeat the Midianites, right? God, God provided that. God equipped Gideon. And whenever God instructs us to do something, what I love about that is that God gives us the tools that we need to do what he's calling us to do, right? God doesn't just give us this plan, meet us on the other end and say, like, I hope you figure everything out on your own. Come back to me and let's see how you did kind of thing, right? No, God equips you. God gives you what you need. God has given you a mind to think. God has given you his word to hear from him. God has placed people around you that you may speak to, that you may it, you know, gain counsel from. God has blessed us with so many things, more than I believe we realize, more than I really realize right now for myself. He has really equipped us and is equipping us with the things that we need, the people that we need, the tools that we need, the resources that we need to do what he's called us to do. And ultimately, he's equipped us with himself, right? Again, God, by his spirit, lives in us. In you is the very spirit of God. If you believe in Jesus, right, like if the, the whole gospel message, if you believe in him, the very spirit of God is within you. We, we shouldn't take that lightly. Like that's, God lives in you. God lives in me. That's, that's a big deal, right? And so if we're talking about being equipped with what, you know, the things necessary, how about being equipped with God himself? You're equipped and being equipped by him, just as, as Gideon was, all right? So are we. And of course, the, the ultimate thing that, that I gain encouragement from, you know, if I'm really in the season of, of being uncomfortable or really being stretched is, again, just that reminder, you know, that God is speaking to me, that God is equipping me. And that again, ultimately, I keep coming back to this, but it's, I think it's the most important is that God was with Gideon and God is with me. That God himself is with me, right? That again, God doesn't just leave us to do something and then hopefully we figured out, turn his back, right? Misplace us, forget what, you know, forget what the plan was, forget where we're at, forget what's going on. He, you know, right. He has no clue what's, what's happening to us. No, 
God is with us. And when, when we see those things coming together, when we see God, God is speaking to Gideon, God is equipping Gideon, God is ultimately with Gideon, through Gideon, God gets all the glory. And of course, the Israelites, they're, they're saved, they're redeemed. That's, that's good for the Israelites. Right? So what's best for the Israelites is that God gets the glory. And I can, I can say that that's true for my life. I know that's true for, for the life of the believer now. When, we know, when we're hearing from God, when we're speaking to God, when God is speaking to us, when God is equipping us, when God is with us, God is getting all the glory in whatever it is that we're going through. It's for our good. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode. Of course, there is so much more that can be talked about on this subject. Would love to hear from you guys, you know, if, if, it's, if it's encouraged you, uh, if there's anything that I can be praying for you for, um, prayer request for me, uh, I'll just put, put this out here. Uh, I am in exactly a season like this right now. God is really stretching me to do uh, what I feel like he is calling me to do. And he's really preparing me and equipping me. And yeah, it is, it is very uncomfortable. Uh, to say the least. And so uh, just be praying for me. Um, you know, everything that we talked about here, this is for me. Um, and so, and yeah, and I hope, you know, as much as it uh, was an encouragement for me, I hope it's it's an encouragement for you. Um, I was just recently having this conversation with someone who uh, was also going through, you know, a season where, yeah, God was really stretching her. And she said something that I've heard before that really just, it just reminded me though of like exactly how I feel. Um, she said something along the lines of like, it constantly feels like I'm building the plane while I'm flying it at the same time. And that's, yeah, so true when you're, when you're walking with God, how often it really feels like that. Like you don't really know what you're doing. You're trying to, you're building the plane while you're flying it at the same time. And so um, just be encouraged. If, if that's, if that's you, if that's what it feels like for you right now, man, May God bless you. May God continue to speak to you. Uh, just know that God is with you, that God is equipping you, uh, and that God doesn't make mistakes in who he calls. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And so I know it sounds cliche, but just trust him. Continue to walk with him and, you know, uh, watch him watch Him come through like he always says he will. You know, he is faithful to his word, and so he will do exactly as he says he will do. And um, so, yeah, I hope, uh, hope that encourages you. Hope that helps you get through get through this uh, this season of yours. So uh, with that being said, God bless you guys. And until uh, next time.